Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome today um, again. I'm excited about this morning. Today is a really big day for Encounter Church. Today is the day that we begin to function as Encounter Church. What does that mean for this body of believers? Does it really change anything at all? Or is it just a name that we place upon the wall, upon a monument sign, on the building, and on our vehicles? Well, let me start by saying that the the timing of this launch date was very strategic. Today we are kicking off a a five-week series that we're simply calling Be the Church. You see, over the next several weeks, we are going to discover and even process through what it means to truly be the church. Being the church is more than just attending on a Sunday morning. Amen. Let me try that again. Being the church is more than just attending on a Sunday morning. It's more than simply watching a service online. And by the way, we love having those that are online with us this morning. We'd love to have you in person. But being the church is more than just watching a service online. It's more than just coming in on a Sunday morning for an hour and 15 minutes and and sitting in a seat. It is truly becoming and functioning as the church that God created for us to be so many years ago. We must come to the place that we cultivate the environments. The Bible tells me that where two or more are gathered, there he is in their midst. I want you to know today that God is here and ready for an encounter with you. We must cultivate that environment so that as a guest walks in the door, as someone that doesn't know Christ walks in the door, that we embody the very presence of who he is, that we represent him the best to our ability, that we don't just come in and fill a spot, but we become who God has called us to be. Because after all, the church is not this building. We are the church. The Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is just a vessel. This is just a man-made building. This is just an environment where we can gather together. But are we cultivating an environment? Are we cultivating an opportunity for the presence of God to truly reign free? My heart's cry. In fact, I was praying it during worship this morning. God, give us a release of your spirit. God, give us a freedom of worship. Lord, help us to worship you with all that is in us. Are we willing to be the church? I saw on Facebook a couple weeks ago, one of the ladies that attends here posted this on her Facebook, and it said this, don't just attend your church. Let's see it up here on the side if we could. Don't just attend your church. Love your church. Amen. 
I mean, how many times do I got to do that? <laughs> Don't just attend your church. Love your church. Serve, give, invite, worship, post, join, engage, participate. In other words, be the church. It's more than just coming in and, and filling a spot. But we've got to learn to serve. Jesus himself said, I didn't come to be served. But I've come to serve. And we likewise are to be his representatives, his ambassadors, a reflection of him. Therefore, we are called to serve one another. Don't just attend church. Love your church. Serve and give. And invite, if you aren't inviting people, let me encourage you, begin to invite your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends, your enemies. Can I just tell you the greatest way to, to lose an enemy is to bring him to church and make him a friend? I'm just saying. Begin to worship. And it says post, in other words, Share what God is doing. Maybe this morning as you're, you're sitting here, man, God lays something on your heart. Shout it out on social media. Even while you're sitting here this morning, join with us. Engage together. Participate. Now, this is not an all-inclusive list. There's so many other things that we can do to be the church. But this certainly is a starting point. This is certainly an opportunity to get us thinking of what it truly means to be the church. But look what Jesus said to Peter. He said, now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, the portion of the scripture that I want to look at is a louder portion. Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. How do we come to the place? How do we come to that moment that Jesus is talking about? I believe that it takes intentionality of hearts and action. If we truly want to be the church in which the gates of hell will not conquer, it's going to take intentionality on your part and on my part, in my heart and in my actions. If you've been with us any length of time, you've, you've heard us mention our mission statement. Love, reach, and empower people of all cultures for Jesus Christ. Now, that mission statement used to be in the lobby underneath the logo, but we've moved it this week. How many of you saw it as you walked in the worship center this morning? Seriously? Okay, come on. Help me out here, because I spent quite a bit of time trying to line those letters up. How many of you saw it as you walked into the worship center? Like seven of you. 
right on the other side of this wall, as soon as you pass the door, if you'll look back, it's written right across there as a reminder as we enter this place. We are here, and we are part of this body, and we are called the church to love, reach, and empower people of all cultures for Jesus. That's why we exist. This mission, our mission as a church, it helps us to fulfill our God-given mission that he set for the church, not that we set, but that he set for the church so long ago. We've got to love. We love God, and we love people. Love God and, and love people. Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, love God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But he didn't stop there. He goes on to say, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no command greater than these. Now, I've heard people say, well, well, I know I'm going to heaven because I love people. Well, do you love God? I've seen a lot of Christians that say, I love God, but I question whether they love people. But we are called to love both. Love God, love people. No command is greater than these. We've got to love God, love people, but then we've got to reach we got to share Jesus with everyone. Now, is there anyone out there that doesn't deserve the grace of God? What about, what about that co-worker of yours that's just a jerk? Do, do they deserve the grace of God? Absolutely. What about the rapist? Do they deserve the grace of God? What about a terrorist? Yes. See, Jesus died for everyone. For God so loved the world, that's all-inclusive, no one is left out. No matter how angry they've made you, no matter how much they've hurt you, no matter what they've said to you or about you, we are called to reach out to them, to share the good news, with everyone. We were given a, a mandate by Jesus. Go and share the good news with everyone. In fact, Matthew chapter 28 really makes this mandate very pronounced. He says, go and make disciples. Now, to make a disciple is more than a one-time conversation or an invite to church. Now, I'm not discouraging invites. In fact, we talked about it earlier. Don't just come to church, but love your church. And one of those steps is to invite people to be with you, to, to be a part of this encounter with God and this encounter with other believers. But a disciple or discipleship process is more than just a one-time conversation. It's, it's more than simply inviting them to church. It's not even just my role. We are all instructed, therefore, go, all of us. There's a, uh, an inferred you, therefore, you go, and you go, and, and you go. In fact, look at the person on your right and say, that includes you. 
We are all instructed to go and make disciples. In other words, build a relationship, invest in people, encourage one another, assist, or even correct when needed to see the lost saved. That's what we are called to do, to love God and and to love people. We are called to, to reach, to share Jesus with everyone. But thirdly, we are called to empower We believe as a body that we are to empower, invest in those that attend our church. So we reach up, we connect with God, we reach out, we share Jesus with everyone, and then we reach within and we empower one another. Many times through the New Testament, we are instructed to encourage and build one another up Catch this, we cannot become guilty of believing the lie that this is the duty of someone else. We cannot believe the lie that, well, I don't have to disciple anybody. I don't have to empower anybody. That's the leadership's responsibility. That's the pastor's responsibility. That's the board's responsibility. No, 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 no. The Bible says we are all to go and make disciples. We're to empower one another. We, the church, must come to the place that we work together and we function as one complete body. 1 Corinthians tells us that we are one body with one purpose. We must learn to function as a body, not as an individual. We must learn to function as a body and not as an individual. Not a single one of us is called to be an island. But we are on a journey together. Church, we must learn to function in the mission that God has set before us. Another way to state it would be this. That the church's mission is to put into action and accomplish the mission of Jesus Christ. Agree or disagree? Our mission is to put into action and complete or accomplish the mission of Jesus Christ. So what was Jesus' mission, and what does that look like to us? Well, first we see the mission in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. The mission of Jesus is to save his people from their sins. The mission of Jesus, do we have that slide We should have a slide for that. The mission of Jesus is to save his people from their sins. Matthew 1, 21. And she, Mary, will have a son, Jesus. We all know the story. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will what? Save his people from their sins. If this was Jesus' mission, then the mission of the church is to be a people that reach out to the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? It's the good news. What is the good news? That Jesus died on the cross so that you could have life eternal and your sins forgiven. We've got to reach the lost with the gospel in effort to bring the lost out of darkness into the light. The second portion of Jesus' mission is found in Mark chapter 10. The mission of Jesus is to serve people 
and give his life as a ransom for many. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for so many, for many. Then the mission of the church is to be people who don't just kick back and, and relax and just receive and, and soak in, but to be a people that humbly give of themselves at the expense of those around. Guys, this is rough stuff, isn't it? This is challenging stuff. We are called to embody the very mission of Jesus, and that includes of giving ourselves at the expense of someone else. Thirdly, the mission of Jesus is to be the people, I'm sorry, the mission of Jesus found in Luke chapter 4 is this, the mission is to liberate the oppressed and set the captive free. To liberate the oppressed and set the captive free. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said. And he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. If this is the mission of Jesus, then the mission of the church is to be a people that reach in where no one else will reach, to love where no one else will love, to look beyond the faults and see the freedom that has been set in motion by Jesus and the price that he paid. Finally, according to John chapter 10, verse 10, the mission of Jesus is to bring people to a full recognition and experience of the value of life. Jesus said, and I have come, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus said, I, I've come so that people will have a, a clear understanding of this full, valuable life that I've given to them. If Jesus said that's his mission, then the mission of the church is to be a people who reach into the lives of those around them and take them from where life has placed them into where Jesus has called them. But how quick are we to cast someone out because of where life has placed them? But if we're really going to be the church, then like Jesus, we look beyond the faults. Aren't you glad that Jesus looked beyond your faults? Anybody else in this room ever used to be a scoundrel? What about a dirt, dirty, rotten scoundrel? I mean, let's get serious with this thing. Yeah! But Jesus looked at you and said, I've got a purpose for you. I've got a plan for you. I've come for a reason. I've come to reach you. I see the junk you're in right now, but I see where I want to take you. Now, church, if we're to fulfill and implement and accomplish the calling of Jesus Christ, then we've got to reach beyond the false and reach the lost for the kingdom of God. Helping them see that their life has value. 
helping them to see that life has purpose. You see, in each and every one of these callings, the church must fulfill the obligation that God has set before us. Church, it is time for the body of Christ to cease to just exist. It's time for we, the body of Christ, we, the church, to cease to just exist and begin to function as a church in which the gates of hell cannot and will not conquer. So how do we encounter church to get there? I'm going to give you four steps to fulfilling that purpose. Good news for you, I'm just giving you step one today. Because I got eight and a half pages into this message and I didn't get past point one. So for the sake of time, we will complete this message next week. I'll give you the remaining three points next Sunday. But this morning, let me give you point number one. It all starts with evaluation. If we truly want to be the church that God's called us to be, if we truly want to embody the mission and purpose of Jesus Christ, it starts with evaluating what's happening and where we are. Nine questions that we've got to ask in this evaluation process. How many of you know that evaluation is important? If you're going to build something, you need to evaluate do you have all the supplies? Is the ground prepared? Or do you know what you're doing? You know, anything that you accomplish or do, if you're buying a car, hopefully you're evaluating. Is it a good deal? Is it a good car? Is it in good shape? Is it going to last more than three minutes? You know, you evaluate all of these things. Young adults, as you're looking for a future spouse, you better be evaluating them. They must be more than a pretty face. Come on, mom and dad, you should be amen in that. What's going on inside of them? Evaluate what's happening there. Everything we do in life, there's got to be an evaluation. So why is it that oftentimes when it comes to the church, we push evaluation out the door and say, well, we're just going to hang out in God's house. The Bible says evaluate everything. Do an examination. See what's happening. See what's going on. So if we're going to evaluate, there are nine vitally important questions that we must ask. Number one, why do we exist? Now, I don't need to rehash this when we've already talked about it. That's our mission. We know why we exist, to love, reach, and empower people of all cultures for Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you can't rattle that off if someone says hey why does encounter church exist if you can't say to love reach and power people of all cultures for jesus christ you need to memorize that if nothing else get love reach and power if you can't get more than three words get those three words love reach and empower that's why we exist that's why we're here number two where are we going where are we going? This is an evaluation question that our staff and our, our leadership must continuously ask ourselves. In fact, just in about a week and a half, our staff is going to go away for about three days for our annual staff retreat. And the staff, each one of us, we get a, a booklet, or a, it's pretty thick, about that thick, a staff retreat booklet. 
And in and through all of that, we're dreaming, we're planning, we're looking at what does the future look like. In fact, I asked the staff, I want you to dream one year out. What does your area of ministry look like in one year? And what does it look like in three years? And then begin to process, how are you going to get to that point in three years? Because we can just put it on paper, but it's no good if we don't put it into action. We begin to evaluate what are the greatest spiritual needs in our church? What are the greatest physical needs in our church? You see, unless we really process all of this, if we fail to know where we are going, we will never get there. Another way to say it is this. If we aim at nothing, we will hit nothing. If we say, well, we're just going to come in and, and go through the routine every Sunday, well, guess what? That's all we're going to do, go through the routine. But we must begin to push forward. Where are we going? We'll talk about this more in a few moments. But church, understand this. We can never arrive. There's never going to be a moment in time, there's never going to be a Sunday, mark my word, there's never going to be a Sunday morning when I step up here and go, Encounter Church, guess what? We've arrived. It's not going to happen. We must continuously be moving forward. Why? Because we are a living, breathing organism for the cause of Christ. And here's what I've discovered. The moment the church stops moving forward, is the moment the church approaches death's door. The moment the church stops moving forward is the moment the church approaches death's door. We must continuously be evaluating where are we going as a church? What is that next step that Jesus has for us? How are we going to accomplish this task that he's laid before us, that he's placed upon our hearts? Number three, this is a little more personal. How will we behave? Sounds like a silly question, but it's true. How will we as Encounter Church behave? How will we as individuals behave? We're going to talk about this over the next few weeks. We're going to discuss this in great detail on week three three of this series you see all that we say and all that we do has got to be modeled after the life and the actions of jesus agree or disagree okay you said it everything we do everything we say must be modeled after the life and the actions of Jesus. If it does not, then we are not truly modeling the church that he set up for us so long ago. And the moment that we cease to respond like Jesus, buckle up, this is going to get tough, the moment we cease to respond like Jesus is the moment that we take on the role of the flesh and the Bible tells me that it's nothing but evil. How will we behave? Now this morning, a lot of these are just little nuggets to get us processing. We're going to dig into these a lot during this series. But I want you to begin to evaluate, how do you behave? How do you respond? The fourth is this, how will we get there? If we figured out where we're going now, now how are we going to get there? In other words, how do we get to the place of living out the God-given purpose 
This is our strategic plan. This is our roadmap that we've got to follow. And this plan also must be continuously be evaluated. I was coming back from a, a football game in Windsor on Friday night, and, and rather than coming the way that I came in, which was 65 to 52, um, I was told to take this back road on B, and for some reason, Siri took me down like two or three gravel roads and a lot of little side roads, and she kept popping things up like this is a shorter route, this is a better route, and, and I kept reevaluating, going, I'm in a Mini Cooper, what are you doing to me? But we've got to continuously be evaluating for the best route to take. Let me say this. Here's something we've got to understand. Just because it's a different route than we've taken before does not mean it's a bad route. Just because it's a different route than we've taken before doesn't mean it's a bad route. It is simply a new way of getting to our God-given destination. This strategy comes only by prayer and believing and carefully listening to and obediently following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Would you do me a favor? Would you begin, if you haven't started already, to pray that God will continue to not only lead this church, but that God will continue to lead you? But beware. The moment you say, God, give me an opportunity to be used by you. Buckle up, buttercup. Because he's going to give you an opportunity. He's going to give you to, a chance to step out of your comfort zone. He may tell you that you need to turn around and go back and talk to that person. But it only comes by prayer by carefully listening to and obediently following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Number five, how will we engage new people? Again, if we are to fulfill the mission of Jesus, this is a question that we must learn to take seriously. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a pastor, a friend of mine, and in the midst of the conversation, my heart dropped he began to share with me he said you know for the last six months we have not had a single new face in our church my heart sunk church we must set that environment in which those outside of our walls want to come in we must create a culture in which the body is continuously bringing in those that are lost without Jesus Christ. I long for a day, and I hope that you long for a day when the drug addict, when the alcoholic, when the broken, when the sexually confused run to the church because they long for a true encounter with the presence of God. And then when they walk through the doors, they sense a genuine presence of God by the response of those in the church. Let me ask you, how do you respond to a guest? 
what about when you come into the worship center and they're sitting in your seat? <laughs> or what about, maybe you're a creature of habit like me, what about when you pull in and they're parked in your parking spot? Last Sunday morning, Pastor Andy just about got fired. Because I pulled in right at time and somebody had parked in my parking spot. Now, I don't have a, a, a assigned parking spot. Let me just say it. It's across the street in another parking lot, but it's where I always park. He knows better. He's not a guest. A guest can have my spot. He can't. How do you respond to a guest that walks into our doors? See, we should want to go out of our way to give up our seats. In fact, lead them in. Let them sit in your seat and you move in. How do you respond? Are you making them feel a part of this family? Are you making them feel welcome? Are you going out of your way for looking for somebody that you don't recognize? You may take a moment and you may walk up to somebody and go, man, it's great having you with us this morning. How long have you been here? And they may say, two and a half years. But you know what? That's okay. That's okay. You have a moment now to form a relationship. But I want to challenge you. Look for those that you don't know in this body each and every week and welcome them here. Number six, how will we help them connect with God? How will we help them connect with God? We cannot allow our first response to this question to be this. Well, that's why I brought them to church. We are the church. You are the church. We are called to fulfill his purpose. I challenge you today, don't fall into the trap that the church or the leadership is the only one that is called to fulfill this. The church is not a man-made building, but a people who have dedicated their lives to follow him in all they say and do. You are the church. We are the church. We must learn to pick up the mantle and truly function as a church that God's called us to be. Number seven, we're getting close. How will we disciple them? Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this one a bit more as well. We're going to really dissect into discipleship. I would love to see us come to a place where each and every one of us are connected with somebody. That each one of us has somebody that is mentoring us or that we are mentoring or we're encouraging. We're helping them move to the next level. You see, I believe that every one of us, every person in this room can benefit from someone investing in their lives. Amen? It's been in my heart for quite some time now. I want to see this come to fruition because to my knowledge, there is not a church out there that is doing this fully to the extent that I believe that God desires. It's time that we go and make disciples. Look at that. Go and make disciples. 
that requires action on our part. Let me say this, though. Be careful who you let speak into your life. There's some quacks out there. I mean, it's funny, but it's true. Before you let somebody speak into your life, make sure that they are solid in the faith. Everyone should have one person that's ahead of them and one person that's behind them. That person ahead of them is speaking to them, and they're speaking to the person back here. Every one of us needs somebody that's speaking into our lives. Number eight, how will we train them to serve? I love this one. This carries the idea of reproducing yourself. Now, I'm not talking about having more kids. We are past that. Hallelujah. For those of you that are having more kids, I mean, good for you. I mean, we just are, we're going through like this church growth moment right now where babies are popping out everywhere. <laughs> That's not the reproduction that I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is wherever you happen to work in ministry, I believe that God's called you to not only fulfill that calling, but to train someone else up, to look for someone else to invest in and train them and teach them. See, no matter where you are serving, reproduce that passion in someone else. Go and make disciples. I believe that it's time for the church to so love serving. Remember, Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I've come to serve. And I believe that it's time that the church so love serving that we have more volunteers than we have places to put them. Amen? Number nine. Last one. How will we inspire them to be missional? Some of you are like, I don't even know what that word means. Let me, let me define it for you. Missional. To live a life that adopts the posture, thinking, behaviors, and practices of a missionary in order to engage others with the good news of Jesus Christ. Some of you just checkmarked yourself off a list and you thought, I'm not a missionary. Guess what? Yes, you are. You are a missionary right where you are. You're a missionary at your job at Tyson. You're a missionary at the school where you work. You're a mission at the, uh, the medical office where you work. You're a, you're a, no matter where you go, you're a missionary. We are called to go and make disciples. So how do we inspire others to be mission? Well, let me ask. Does that lifestyle define you? To live a life that adopts a posture, thinking, behaviors, and practices of a missionary in order to engage others with the good news of Jesus Christ? Does that define you? If it doesn't, you can't inspire someone to be missional. You can't inspire someone to be what you're not. People who make an impact know what they're living for. Paul and Silas... Do you remember what the Bible said about them? People were complaining, Paul and Silas have come in here and they're turning our world upside down. They're making an impact. Jesus, everywhere he went, he was making an impact. But I wonder, the impact that you're making, is it for the kingdom of God or is it for self-gain? See, if we're really to embody the mission of Jesus, then our impact should be to make him famous. 
to promote Jesus, to share the hope that only he can give. That's the impact that we're to make. And then I'm reminded of the time when Jesus was approaching Jerusalem. And the Bible says in Luke 19, but as he, Jesus, came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. Now let me remind you of the moments. This wasn't a sad moment. This was a triumphal entry. This was the time when people were waving palm branches and they were shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise the King of Israel. That's a celebration. But Jesus wept. Why? If you keep reading, it goes on to say this. Jesus said, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way of peace. Does your heart break for this community, for your community? When's the last time that you wept for the lost in your city? When's the last time that you wept for the lost in your family? I believe that God has challenged us to be the church. And that starts by holding on to the heart of Jesus Christ. Jesus wept for those that were so far away from him. I want to encourage you to be here the next five weeks. We're going to process through and we're going to, to implement into our lives. We're going to apply into our lives what this truly means. But this week, I would encourage you to take these nine questions get to evaluate yourself. See, because what we're talking about in this series is not this building. What we're talking about in this series is us. How do we be the church? The church that God has called us to be.